，恭喜发财，龙年快乐，恭喜发财，龙马精神，龙飞凤舞，事业有成，平平安安。It's not bad, right? 平平安安。It's not bad. It's not bad. Peace and peace and safety. It's a typical Singapore thing. Stay safe. Stay vigilant. Stay healthy. Then I long my jingsen. Long my jingsen. Welcome to the latest edition of Hogwarts Daily Spew. It's been a couple of months. We've been busy. Lunar New Year around the corner. We are recording today's episode, and with me, I have Tom. Hey, Val. Charles. Hey, Val. Elvin. Hi, Val. And Bo. Yo. Yo yo! So yeah, welcome to this、uh, latest episode of the podcast.、Uh, today we're going to be bringing you quite a few topics of interest,、uh, with all these questions coming in from our listeners, asking about things like China, the Red Sea disruptions, how are the ingredients doing, WPC markets doing, how's demand, how do we see things going forward. What's going to happen after the lunar festivities in China, etc., etc. So it's going to be a fun-filled podcast episode. So thanks for joining us, and here we go. So I guess、uh, you know, with Lunar New Year just around the corner, everybody is thinking about you know, so how's China doing? What's happening in the land of the dragon? And with us, we have、uh, our very own cute dragon, Charles, who was born in the year of the dragon. So very apt for him to start and kick off this discussion. So Charlie,、uh, maybe just do a quick roundup on what's happening in China. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Val.、Um, actually, just got back from China myself a week ago, so pretty good timing.、Um, <clears throat> Yeah, what we see in China, at least from the latest data, is that、um, they have not been as active in the last、uh, months of Q4 in、uh, buying whole milk powder. That's quite consistent with also, I think, yeah, over the last few events, what we've seen in participation numbers out of China, right? I mean, typically, anecdotally, we always say China should be fifty, sixty percent of GDP. I think in past events,、yeah, closer to that thirty, thirty-five percent level. And fortunately, I think for GDT Middle East have been stepping up to the plates,、um, taking a bigger share of、uh, buying than usual. I think in China, December January has been billed as the highest season of let's say end user consumption because everyone's producing their final products in time for, of course, Chinese New Year or we call it the Spring Festival in China. I think so far, the demand in December and January have not been super exciting. I have to say, from the local sales perspective, but in spite of that, we've seen a rising GDT, right?、Um, we've also seen, I think, now expectations of future GDTs. If we look at futures,、uh, well above thirty three hundred. If we look at the last GDT, it's slowly getting there. And if you even look at C three, C four, C five, which are kind of indications of where the next GDT in February might end up, is already well above thirty three. I think the question is: It's no doubt that these levels are pretty supported. It has been, yeah, pretty well、uh, backed by physical 
deals as well. Although, given the fact that during the highest uh, demand season, it wasn't that exciting with China being quiet in the next three, four weeks because they're really close for a spring festival. What what might happen to the market? I think that's the biggest question. I think if you asked a local in China, the answer would be everything depends on what kind of consumption levels they see during the spring festival the, itself. Uh, no doubt all kinds of families will be going back uh, to have reunions and consume all kinds of products, including dairy products. Yeah, remains to be seen. Um, one thing that obviously everybody knows as well is that uh, in New Zealand, home milk powder's uh, production will start to taper off, right? it's We're entering the shoulder of the season. Um, December uh, numbers were, yeah, around expectation, 2.5% up. Remains to be seen what happens from here. Um, one thing I do note is that there is less and less uh, talk about weather, uh, which means that it may not be a, a factor. I think uh, the other interesting thing probably to uh, speak about is that whole milk powder spread to skim milk powder at the moment is pretty big. Even if we talk about valorization, uh, there are more and more producers in New Zealand talking about how whole milk powder prices are getting a little bit more interesting and that if this sustains and skim milk powder continues to be stable, that there might be uh, uh, some producers willing to switch. It's not yet happening. Don't think it will happen in big scale with especially guys like Fonterra. Um, but that bears watching as well. With regards to that home powder, skim powder spread, if we ask the big guys, uh, let's say the big end users who use both products, and really ask them the question, which one you think is more likely to happen for home powder to come off? to come closer to skim or for skim pr- prices to go up, a lot of the consensus have been pointing towards skim of powder probably rising. Uh, what that says to me is that, okay, despite local milk production in China, whole milk powder has a pretty decent demand. And maybe that's backed by the fact that in China, there's just not a lot of stock. As I mentioned at the start, China have not been importing that much product. Yeah, but also just uh, looking looking through what's happening in China, it's also quite interesting because products like sweet whey powder seems to be a little bit more active in terms of domestic demand. So can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Oh, great point. Prices in China have been improving. Demand has been pretty good. I'm really not sure if that's because of whey powder being used in different, uh, let's say, SKUs than the general home milk powder, skim milk powder. It could be because technically for home milk powder and skim milk powder, the locals can use uh, local milk uh, to replace some of the recipe. Whey powder is just something they have to import. I think it's a little bit of a lagging situation uh, with, with Europe. We knew that a couple of months ago during the low season, Poland was not very active in producing whey powder. Um, as a result, probably sales were not as high as usual, and therefore local stocks are not that high. And if you add a topic that we will, I'm sure, talk about later, the Red Sea disruptions, you can imagine as an end user in China uh, for a product that is stable in pricing like uh, whey powder, they just want to buy it now. I think that's a good bridge into your hot topic of the month or so, the Red Sea disruptions. And, and we are seeing a lot of liners bypass the Red Sea because of the disruptions. And that basically 
penalizes uh, freight charges with a surcharge of between I don't know, 500 to above 1,000 USD per container. Um, the voyages between 10 to 14 days longer, minimally. We are also having situations whereby the, the surcharge is potentially pricing out certain products from certain origins. So maybe, Alvin, can you talk a little bit about what you see? How is this Red Sea disruption affecting how your buyers are deciding to buy and when they should buy? So regarding the Red Sea situation, I think most of the customers, they're actually underestimating the potential issue. Because right now, what most people are talking about is only like, say, $20, $30, $40 um, increment per ton um, due to the Red Sea. But I feel that the potential impact is much more than that because uh, it's not just because of the um, increase in cost. It's also the potential delay. Um, right now, we are talking about 10 days. But um, if the full um, impact um, come into rotation, the delay can be up to like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Yeah, so uh, most of the shipments from around the world, including US and Europe, they have to go around Africa, which can cause a, a big delay to a lot of shipments. So this can potentially impact the production um, planning for a lot of customers in Asia. So we don't see the full impact yet, but uh, if this thing really come true, then uh, the impact could be really more than what people are expecting. So it's always good to plan early because uh, right now what I'm seeing is a lot of customers, they are still buying um, hand-to-mouth. Yeah, it can probably work the past few months, but with this potential impact, I think I suggest uh, customers to to buy like much earlier ahead, probably even um, one month buffer. Yeah, and it's true because I think in episodes before, we did mention that buying behavior has somewhat changed due to a few factors. One, n- namely the fact that financing stock is, has been expensive. So a lot of customers have grown accustomed to not buying as much stock and keeping it in their warehouse because it's expensive to finance it. Having said that, we are in a situation whereby stocks might not be sufficient and somehow if there is one delay from one supplier, another delay from another supplier, certain customers might find that, hey, I'm suddenly short. And and, and let's not forget with the Lunar New Year festivities around the corner, we are a lot of freight forwarders and even the ports might be running low in terms of our manpower. So these are all kind of accumulating to a some sort of a small boiling point, in my opinion, for the next one, two months. Yeah, just to add a comment on, on, on from the skim milk powder perspective, um, Obviously, because of all these disruptions, it further highlights that Oceania is kind of a preferred origin now for Southeast Asia and China. Um, it has been anyway because of prices, but because of logistics, it makes more sense. Um, whether that affects the freight rates out of Oceania to Southeast Asia, we're not seeing massive increases yet. But it does make Oceania more attractive, which I think going into the tail end of the New Zealand season, you know, could be a combination that might support prices in Oceania. I think this bears watching because in order for skimmel powder prices globally to rise, the first thing that needs to happen is New Zealand prices needs to go up. So just highlighting that, you know, we might be in a different market in, let's say, a month from now. Um, It all depends as well how fast that increase happens because, yeah, towards April, May, you start to see more milk in the northern hemisphere. So just something to watch. uh, But I think the key point has been pretty much highlighted. Yeah, be more careful and plan with more buffer stocks. I think that's also exactly the reason why customers are not 
in my opinion, caring enough yet about all the, the supply chain disruptions yeah, because they have been reaching out to New Zealand, Australia for their whole milk powder, for their fats, for their buttermilk powder, for their uh, skim milk powder, obviously, um, and not been exposed yet to all those potential supply chain issues. But if you if you zoom out a bit and if you uh, approach it from a geopolitical uh, point of view, then things seems to be escalating pretty badly in the Middle East. And there's uh, that rising tension, of course, between uh, involvement of Iran uh, and also another factor which we can't deny is that Donald Trump will be running for um, for, for presidency, of course, and he uh, most probably will be uh, the candidate for the Republicans. That, once again, in my opinion, won't be helping uh, to avoid any uh, any kind of escalation. Um, and it's not only about like that 12 days of additional sailing time that Europe and US is facing if you go instead of via the Red Sea through Cape of uh, Good Hope. Um, it's about everything else. Supply chain only is working if everything is predictable. And with a delay, with a changing environment, nothing is predictable anymore. And if nothing is predictable anymore, you will see worst disruptions in your supply chain. Um, and once again, I think that, that buyers in our region, in Southeast Asia, are, are not seeing the potential consequences of it yet because of the fact that they have been, so uh, for good reasons, exposed to New Zealand, to Australia. Um, but logically, that will be drying up in the upcoming months. So take a look at it and, and don't underestimate it. Yeah, I think we've had a good portion of discussions on our commodities. But over on the ingredient side, you know, Bo, what are the WPCs doing? I, I think it's uh, an interesting read um, as compared to what we see on the commodities. Yeah, thanks, Val. I think the WPC is a very interesting uh, product group that we see over the last few months where... Uh, other products have been more of a stable or downtrend while WPC has been moving up and almost back to the highs uh, where we see one and a half, two years ago. So I think the big question that, that I always get from all the buyers is, is this uh, the peak and, and where will it go moving forward? So I think the, the main difference compared to the previous spike and then immediate crash within the four or five months back to the initial levels is, is basically that demand has has increased over the last two years. There's firstly greater emphasis on proteins. Within the Southeast Asia region, there are more and more companies and demand that, that sprung up um, over the last one and a half, two years. There's more and more inclusion of, of proteins into different habits and diets. So from a demand standpoint, that's where we, we see has been coming up. And and secondly, from a price standpoint, the customers are a bit more accustomed to the higher prices. Of course, no thanks to inflation that has been up over the last last couple of months. And, and it sets a new standard in terms of the price point that they are willing to pay. And that trickles back down again to towards the purchasing and, and the price for everyone. They can make but of course from a producer standpoint a lot of the cost has also increased so basically what we see now is 
whether it will go back to the average price of let's say six seven USD uh, in a very low or stable time versus could it be a new normal where it will be probably eight nine or is it nine or ten USD? So so that's something to to note um, for for the buyers that are thinking whether they would still stay on the sideline and await this rise in prices and when it crashed back down then they will step in because that that really is yeah difficult to say whether it will go back to initial levels thanks bo but how about the other ingredients uh, how about the <coughs> wpc35 it's also something that affects the waste stream and uh, your other ingredients yeah, just just a short one on the thirty five. Basically, that tracks more towards the skim milk powder basis. So with that, yeah, we 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 basically looking more towards that direction. Yeah, look at skim milk powder, and then you depending on situation could be a bit of a slight discount to that. Um, on the others, just focusing on the casein caseinates, that market has also started to gain a lot of attention and and rising demand over the last one month. It starts probably around just before Christmas. There's there's quite a big demand that, that came in and that brought up prices from, from one of the low points. Then after New Year, I think that's the period where most producers and buyers are back from their long holidays. And when they see that first price has already moved up, they quickly assessed their outlook and demand and, and decided to, to step in. And that really pushed up prices again. And now we have quite some... Demand that's still ongoing, and basically the note for the buyers out there to to just pay attention to this, and if needed, probably you can consider to cover a bit further out and and see how market moves. But that actually, you know, what's interesting is uh, WPC is also very intertwined with uh, the way the way stream of things. Uh, so just a quick summary of what's actually happening on Sweetway Powder side. Uh, well, Poland has been perennially a cheaper producer, uh, a cheaper alternative against uh, Western European suppliers. Um, but however, we've been seeing, you know, in recent uh, months that the prices coming out from Poland is not that much cheaper than those from France or even Germany. And it's interesting because Right now, what we see is even though milk production in Europe isn't as good, we do see very good cheese demand. So with that, we still get a lot of milk, liquid milk, being apportioned and valorizing very well into cheese. So when you do produce the cheese, you end up with your whey concentrate. And with that, the producers have a decision to make. Do I actually use the whey concentrate to produce the WPCs that, as Bo has mentioned, has been doing well? Or do I use it to produce um, sweet whey powder? But there is always this this decision-making uh, to be made because when you do the WPCs, you end up with other derivatives like your lactose, like your pearl meats, which in this current market, the demand hasn't been great and prices have been very dampened. But if you produce a sweet whey powder, that's the end of the line. You produce it and that, that that's your final product. You don't have extra derivatives to deal with, to store, um, to spray dry. So what we are observing is that for suppliers who can actually produce WPC, be it um, in the US or be it in, in Europe, those that can flex into WPCs are doing so because the prices that they are able to sell those products at is just a lot better than what they would otherwise sell their sweet whey powder. But there's also a portion of producers that simply cannot. 
they do not have the ability to flex between the two products and they will still receive that liquid whey concentrate, which is coming from the cheese production, and they will still have to spray dry it to sweet whey powder. So sweet whey powder as a product is very brand specific. It really depends on the brands that you're looking at. So what we're observing also is that the prices between a brand that is very popular and a brand that is not so popular, the price gap can be huge. We are looking at 100 euros minimally. And the demand just runs different because certain buyers and buyers simply just need that certain type of sweet whey powder. So that's quite an interesting development that we are seeing in the whey markets. I think we have quite a packed calendar in terms of trade shows for Q1 as well. I think a few of you will be heading over to some trade shows. Can you all share the details, Elvin? I think you're, you're very excited about Gulf Foods. Yeah, I'll be celebrating Chinese New Year in Dubai. So uh, we'll be having Gulf Food from the 19th of February to 23rd. Our booth number is B2-45. So if you are there, please look for me. Uh, we can have a chat. And for myself and Tom, we'll be in, uh, and Bo as well, actually, we'll be in Shanghai uh, for the FIC Food Ingredients China on 20th to 22nd March. We have a booth with Pacific Dairy Ingredients, our Chinese uh, operations. I don't know the booth numbers, but it's located pretty near this one small supplier called Fonterra. I believe we're neighbors. So if you guys want to meet and greet the fine people of Hogwacht, uh, you know where to find us at Gulf Food as well as at FIC. So hope to see you there. So guys, with all these um, topics that we've discussed today, you know, how do we summarize this whole situation from a demand perspective? I think it's a very good question, though, and a very valid one. Because if you take a look at US and Europe, like the for me, the only reason that uh, prices in Europe and, and US were heading northwards over the last couple of months was because of supply. And there wasn't enough supply. Uh, that was the main, the main issue. It wasn't demand-driven. Now we're heading uh, into the season in US, into the season in uh, in Europe. So supply shouldn't be an issue anymore in Northern Hemisphere. So I think the valid question to ask is, will demand kick in in time in order to make sure that market is like that, that, that the forward-looking indicators are justifying um, the prices that that market is expecting? I have my doubts about that. Um, once again, I do believe that that Red Sea disruption um, definitely could be playing a, a significant role uh, and that could be very bullish for price direction uh, in export markets. Uh, I think that could be leading towards a huge gap between feed markets, for example, in Europe for whey powder and, and food markets on the export side uh, in Asia. Um, also believe that customers over the last couple of months, they had zero reasons to stock up because prices were pretty stable. Um, New Zealand, Australia were very competitive, remained very competitive. Outlook wasn't too bullish. Uh, logistics is like, a, it's the backyard of Oceania, of course. So it's only two, three weeks of sailing and, and you have your product. 
Money is expensive, so I don't believe that anyone in Southeast Asia is sitting on huge stocks, except maybe of some multinationals. Because, But I think that also the multinationals have been struggling with their demand forecast. Um, so from that perspective, yes, demand should be picking up because no one is, in my opinion, no one is covered for a longer period. Um, but the big question is like, will that increase in demand stabilize markets or even increase uh, price outlook? I have my doubts. Well, just, just while we're on the topic of demand, I think one of the things that can support it is that the feds are finally saying, okay, we've had enough of uh, rate increases. Maybe this is the, the year of rate cuts. Of course, markets are pricing some of that in. That is usually supportive for the whole macro picture. Some people call it the macro summer. Um, and in the macro summer, there's no better asset than buying Bitcoin. <laughs> How many more days to the halving? <laughs> Two months. Two months, Two yeah, exactly. Two months. I think 70 days or something. Um, yeah. But ETFs are out. So if you weren't sure about how to buy before this, go to iShares, Fidelity. There are plenty of ETF providers out there. Shameless plug for your Bitcoin. This is not financial advice, but <laughs> it's a financial... A personal interest. <laughs> yeah, we're not, this is not a paid advertisement. Do your own Bitcoin. research. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty technical. Give us a ring. We always would like to have a chat about the crypto market. Guys, it is a tradition to actually greet people during the Lunar New Year with only good things. So having all these discussions about prices, about demand, about disruptions, we need to end the show with only the good stuff. So here's wishing everybody long yen kuai le, long ma jing shen, bu bu gao shen. Long yen xing da yun, shen yi xing rong. Okay, let me. This is what I tried to say, guys. Again. get enough of us we do have a second podcast it's called the Hogwack Market Moo uh, you'll be able to find that in on Spotify as well and we also have a monthly newsletter Hogwack Horizons so if you want to subscribe to it go to hogwack.com you'll be able to find a subscribe button or you can approach one of us and we can uh, hook you right up one more thing Phil if you're not signed up yet for the My Hogwack platform please tell your logistics department to do so because we improved it and you will receive all your documents, invoices, etc., etc., live track and trace via my Hogwack uh, and also via my Hogwack platform. You can find that market moo. Okay, nice. So, yeah, these are all the updates we have for you. Uh, thanks for joining me, guys, this morning uh, to record the podcast. So, this is uh, Hogwack Daily Spew. Over and out. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.